Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Chet Haney of Highland Terrace Baptist Church in Greenville, Texas. And I'm so glad to have in studio with us today, Holly Gray. Holly, thank you for coming. It's good to have you. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Amen. We're, we're excited to um, begin today's edition of the His Mighty Hand radio uh, broadcast and podcast. And I've asked Holly to come in to share with us uh, some things that God's been doing in her life. and So, Holly, we really appreciate it. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, Holly, um, I remember when you came to join our church, it was, uh, has it been three years? Yes, three years. Something like that. Yeah, I was thinking so. And what a blessing you've been. You've always been uh, exuberant with enthusiasm and excitement. You seem to have... Um, a lot of, um, I don't know, it might be the spiritual gift of faith because I think you're a person who can see big things and pray big prayers and dream big dreams. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. God has shown up many times in my life and he's been so good. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Holly, um, I'd like to, uh, take this for granted with everyone, but I know you can't. Um, when I think of you, I think of somebody who is really dialed in to the spirit of what God's doing. And that's what a pastor loves. It's what a pastor longs for, for all of our people is just to really, uh, kind of open your heart up and place yourself in a position to be blessed, you know, by the spirit of the Lord. And I guess to kind of have a little spirit of expectancy when you come into a worship service, you know, um, anticipating that God's going to be there and that, you know, we're going to open his word and learn something important and we're going to sing his praises and uh, feel his presence. And, and, um, when, uh, when I think of these things, I, I really do appreciate so much, uh, folks who, um, share that, that desire and that passion to really meet with the Lord and, and see him work. And, I know that's not just something that happens, but it's a result, you know, of a, of a deep work in someone's heart that God's been doing probably for a long time. And I wonder if you could just, um, don't mean to put you on the spot, but I know I am. Uh, could you kind of help us to see into your soul a little bit about where this came from and how you got to be the way you are, um, as far as loving God so much and excited so much about about what God's doing, especially uh, in and through the local church? Absolutely. Um, I was blessed to get to go to a private Christian school from kindergarten through the 12th grade. Uh-huh. And I was able to um, receive several different awards over the years, but one of them that was especially important to me was called the Servant's Heart Award. Wow. And I received it seven out of 12 years. Oh, my goodness. And so everybody teased me at school that, 
they nicknamed me Servant Heart because everything was wow. all about every time that I got it, it was just such an important thing to me. And then your senior year at the Christian school, mm-hmm. they do some other awards, and one of them is called the Daniel Award mm. for Personal Christian Integrity. Mm. So with the experience of having a Bible class every day throughout my grade school and high school years and having chapel once a week and yeah. these things, it really built a good foundation for me as far as um, knowledge and things that I learned that I still to this day recall from that experience. And I also was privileged to get to go to uh, the same church for about the first 25 years of my life. So, of course, I built some solid relationships and had mm-hmm. good knowledge and teaching there as well. So I had a great foundation from day one. My parents were very kind to give us that, my sister yeah. and I. So, um, and And you think that all that knowledge automatically gives you a close relationship with God, but that's not really the case. Not necessarily. So it has only been in the later years that I've come to understand how circumstances and experience is what creates that personal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So I just, I like from ground zero, it was just always, yep. you know, that building was working and stuff. And then, you know, with what I do today, I feel like it's, it's a servant's heart, so to speak, when I yeah. am able to, um, Match a person with a home and, and. Well, you're in the service industry. Yes. You're a real estate agent, very fine, accomplished real estate agent. Uh, Century 21. First group. First group is Mm -hmm. your, is your, um, office. And, Mm -hmm. um, so how long have you been in this kind of work, um, Holly? September will make 24 years. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I say since I was a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Um, with, with this particular company, it's been about 12 years and I was with Uh an independent company before that for about 12 years. I see. So, well, I imagine in the real estate business, a servant's heart comes in handy. It does. It absolutely does because so much of the decision in purchasing a home is so emotional because people fall in love with the home. And so any hurdles or things that we have to work through, it becomes very personal to them. Yeah. So you have to really build a relationship with your customers where they trust you and feel like you're doing the best for them that you possibly can. Well, the whole task of, um, you know, taking possession of a home is huge. Mm -hmm. You have so many things to take care of, inspections and appraisals and, qualifications and not to mention the negotiation for the price and so forth. It's not that easy. No, it's really not. And and the market today is very good. Um, Uh Probably the best market I've ever seen in Mm. 24 years. But like everything, it comes with some challenges. And that is because everyone is so busy, things are being delayed to get ready for closing. And Mm. closing dates are not always met. We have to delay that some. So it it's it comes with some challenges, but I also enjoy the challenges and how to figure out how we can make it work. Yeah. So you're able to be in our community, probably uh, all over the map, so to speak. Um, do you see uh, growth in uh, most all the areas of Hunt County right now, or is it sort of um, mostly concentrated out west? I have lived here all my life. Mm-hmm. For, for soon to be 50 years. And the growth 
that we're experiencing now, we have never experienced in that time period. Yeah. Um, people are buying land everywhere and anywhere. Really? Um, so purchases, homes, land, all of that is really just countywide right now. Um, we have a lack of inventory. There's not enough to sell. So as a realtor, you kind of have to think outside the box. You know, it's not just MLS, the system to look up houses. You have to think, who do I know that might have ever mentioned that they would sell their house? Yeah. Or who do I know that might be needing to downsize or something like that? So you really have to put your thinking cap on to come up with that. So you've got to think beyond just what's listed. Mm-hmm. You do, absolutely. But uh-huh. there's a lot of growth going on. I mean, it's it's coming this way. It's been coming this way, but it's really starting to show now. And yeah. I've talked to some people recently who are moving back to the area, and they haven't lived here in about 20 years, and they were very astonished at what they <laughs> saw when they came back to look at houses. Very yeah. astonished. So, yeah. Well, so you get people moving, you get some people who are just maybe uh, changing uh, houses from another location, maybe trying to upgrade a little bit, maybe get a larger house. Some people may be trying to downsize uh, a little bit. Absolutely. There's all kinds of circumstances in life that cause you to need to move. Um, The house is too big. The house is too small. There's too much acreage. I want some acreage. Mm -hmm. I want to get out of the big city. Yeah. Job transfers. I mean, there's just a number of reasons. Yeah. A lot of those things can be pretty emotional too, can't they? Emotionally jarring. Mm-hmm. It's a jolt when you have to move. Yeah. For just about anybody. Yeah. I've lived in my house 16 years. I said I would be the worst customer for a realtor because I haven't <laughs> moved in 16 years. Yeah. But it is. It's very hard. And, you know, certainly yeah. when there's a death, maybe in a spouse yeah. is having to move just because they can no longer take care of the property. Right. That's probably one of the hardest for me. I bet that is so hard. Um, because there's so many emotions that play into that. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of changing of mind and having to rethink things and stuff. So I think that's probably where I feel like I have to really stop and take the time and really spend that time with that person because they are experiencing one of the worst things in life that you could ever go through. Interesting. Um, the home is a symbol of so many things. Uh, in a person's life and stability. Um, could we come back uh, another session, Holly? And uh, I'd like to hear you comment on the home and the church home and how the two compare. We're here with Holly Gray today on His Mighty Hand, our radio broadcast and podcast from Highland Terrace Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Chet Haney. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. They made provision for his journey. Paul many times effusively thanks the churches who supported him and who helped him, made it possible for him to go. Brother Marvin, did you know that this past week I got an email from your niece? Her name is Stacy Powers. I hope you all remember Stacy. She's a missionary for the IMB in the country of Zambia. And it was just a few years ago, Brother Marvin, I think it was 2014, wasn't it? When she was in our church. And uh, she, uh, she spoke from our pulpit on a Sunday night and told us about not only her, uh, her work in Zambia, but also she told us about Jeff, her husband. Jeff Powers was an amazing missionary because he pioneered a new method of missions uh, evangelism that involved storytelling. 
they, they're finding on the African continent, there's so many dialects, just, you know, languages and dialects by the thousands all over this continent. It's very difficult to translate the scripture into every single language. And if you do, there's very few people in all of those languages who can actually read the Bible if they had it in their language. And so what they've discovered is they can do what Jesus did. Jesus, the master storyteller, who told the kingdom of God in parables so that the people could understand. Jeff and other missionaries have discovered in recent years that storying is the verb that they use. Storying is a powerful way to explain the good news of the gospel. And so through storytelling, Jeff made a huge impact in Kenya until guess what happened? He came down with cancer and had many tumors in his body and uh, flew back home to Tennessee and died. Stacy went back to Brownwood, Texas, where she's from. Some of her people know some of my people over there. Brownwood, we're, we're kind, we kind of claim to be uh, cousins and never really knew each other. And uh, Stacy moved into a house right across from her father, who is a uh, dairy farmer in uh, Brownwood. And she was all set up, didn't like for a thing except for one thing. She had a calling in her heart. And one day after being there almost a year, she said, Daddy, I can't stay any longer. My heart is in Zambia. And I've got to go back. That's where God wants me. And she went back by herself to Zambia. And I got this email from Stacy the other day. Not just to me. It's the email she sends out to uh, a, a big group of supporters who pray for her and who keep in touch with her. And uh, she said that it's been a tough year, not only because of COVID, but because of drought in her region and army worms have come. And whatever crop was left from the drought, the army worms got the rest of it. And people are really hurting in Zambia. And in the midst of this difficult situation where it's dusty and dark, people are having a hard time. One of her family stopped by the orphanage the other day for guess what reason? It wasn't to see what they could get. They had three goats they wanted to give to the orphanage to help the children with milk and, and uh, you know, with, uh, with meat. And so she asked for this prayer. She said, would you pray for this family that God would bless them for giving out of their scarcity such an abundant gift? And I thought, my soul, I will. I'm going to pray for that family and I'm going to pray for my church family that we'll be inspired by them that we can make a difference together as well this year on December the 25th. You see, it takes both. It takes someone who's willing to go and someone else who's willing to send them. You know how Stacy closed her letter? She said, thank you for giving so that I can be here. Thank you for giving so that I can be here. She's well aware. She understands that if it were not for you, there'd be no her. 
not in Zambia. She knows she's dependent on the faithful giving of people back home. And that can be the testimony of many missionaries throughout the world, like Stacy and like Petru, and so many others that we'll never even meet. Missionaries by the thousands who are saying, can you hear it? Can you hear that little sound echoing in your ear through your heart this morning? They're saying, thank you for giving so that we can be here. Because if it weren't for you, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be there. You see, we have a, uh, a wonderful blessing in our Southern Baptist mission strategy, which allows our missionary personnel to spend 100% of their time on the field and not have to worry one moment about fundraising, uh, about coming back stateside. And, and honestly, here's what you have to do if you're uh, an independent missionary. You have to schedule yourself to get before many, many churches so that you can tell your story and make your appeal and hope that when you go to those churches, you'll get a good enough love offering that it'll add to your, um, you know, your resources that you'll be able to make it through another year. That's how Southern Baptist used to be. It's called the society method. And uh, missionary historians will tell you now, we're in an era called the convention method, where we work together as a body of uh, pastors and churches and missionary personnel and WMU ladies uh, who help uh, organize the churches throughout our convention to support missions in a way where we can do more together than we ever could individually. Can you imagine all those thousands of missionaries trying to make an appointment to come see Highland Terrace? Uh, How could we ever even make a drop in the bucket of the need if we did it that way? But this way, wow, God has given us an opportunity to join in this kingdom effort in a way that allows us to make a a huge difference. Now, now here's how this is going to work. This year, we're going to do things just a little bit different. This year, for our mission offering, instead of having, uh, you know, Annie Armstrong in the spring, and um, having Mary Hill Davis in September, and then having, uh, you know, the uh, Lottie Moon gift in in the uh, in December. Christmas time. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to combine them all. You see, what I noticed used to happen when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm sure the same thing is true in a lot of churches. You know, you, you set a goal and, and you strive to, to get there, you know, to meet the goal. And, and by the time the, the time limit has passed, uh, if you're short a little bit, then you extend it and uh, try to hang on a little longer See if you can get that goal to come on in before you go on to the next one. By the time you finish this one, it's about time to start the next one. And you sort of feel that pressure, um, you know, all year long. And it's, you know, it's a good way to do missions, but it can also be maybe a little bit discouraging. Um, I was watching uh, First Baptist Pleasant Grove uh, sometimes raise thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. For missions, and I, I just couldn't believe it. How are they doing this? And so I learned Steve's method of putting them all together in one. 
And I tried to uh, tell the folks at First Baptist Mesquite, we ought to try this. Nobody listens to the youth minister, you know, when you have an idea like that. So when I became a pastor for the first time out in Big Spring, Texas, let me tell you something. We were in the middle of the oil bust in the 1980s. Uh, Oil was under $20 a barrel and people were hurting. Uh, It was tough in those days. And I sat down with our WMU ladies and I said, now, here's what I want you to do. Tell me what is our record giving for Lottie Moon? And they told me it's about $1,200. Okay. What about for Annie Armstrong? They told me, I think it's seven or $800. Okay. What about for Mary Hill Davis? They told me the record gift, I think it's four or $500. And when we put them all together, um, it was something like $2,400 was the record giving for all three. And I said, all right, here's what we're going to do, ladies. Let's do this. Let's take the record. Let's double it. And let's raise it all in one day this year. And they said, all right, pastor, we're behind you. Let's do it. You know what everybody else said? They said, bless his heart. He's young. He'll learn. But we set a goal the first Sunday in December to raise $4,848.48. And I love what happened because I explained to our people The same thing I want to tell you now. And that is, in order for a mission offering goal to work, two things have to happen. One is, God has to provide. Because we're not talking about, honestly, we're not talking about giving $50 or $100. We're talking about giving in the hundreds of dollars, each of us. Maybe $1,000 or more, each of us. And so God has to provide for a gift like that, and everybody has to participate. This is not a sugar daddy offering, you know, where daddy big bucks, you know, writes a check and brings it in. Ah, doesn't work that way. All of us have to enjoy the blessing of doing our part and seeing God provide. So I encouraged everybody at... uh, I've told you all this story before, but I, I encourage everybody to get together with their family and, and pray about, you know, what you think your part in the offering should be. And I found out later that the Alvis Jeffcoat family sat at a little Formica um, breakfast table with aluminum edges around it. You've seen those in a, in a trailer house where they lived, not too far down from the church. And they went around the table. Um, Beverly said what she was thinking. Uh, the kids said what they were thinking. Alvis said what they were thinking. They added up their goal to $635. <laughs> that was a huge sum of money back then. And I never would have known about it because it was all private. You know, we don't, we don't ask everybody to fill out a card or tell the preacher what you're going to give. Just tell God, you know, what you want to give or let God tell you. That's what they did. Well, Alvis had a big old felt hat and a handlebar mustache and dark glasses. You never got two words out of him except hello preacher, you know, on Sunday morning. And uh, he told me about a week and a half before the mission, he said, preacher, I'm coming to see you. (laughs) Okay, Alvis, when do you want to come? He came into my office and told me a story about what I just told you. 
And then he told me this. They got a government check for a five-year-old cotton crop rebate that he didn't even know was coming that was within a dollar or two their mission offering. And God just provided it with money he had no idea he had coming. Now that's what I'm talking about right there. You pray and let God provide and make sure that you set as a goal something led to you by the Holy Spirit. Some kind of a God-honoring, God-glorifying gift. And then let's just watch and see what God's going to do. December the 5th of this year, together, here's what the plan is. Our goal, we work this out with the Missions Council. And with the WMU leadership, we've all met, we've all talked about it. We've decided that this year a worthy goal for our church will be to raise $52,021 in one day. On December the 5th of 2021, 5201. How about that? Now I want to tell you, we can't do that on our own. But if we'll pray, and if we'll trust the Lord, and, and uh, it, it's, it's not re- uh, reason giving, it's, it's revelation giving. That's how it works. Reason giving says, okay, well, I think we can afford to do this. You know, you write a check. All right, this year we're going to really stretch out. All right, so we're going to give $250 this year instead of our usual 100 That sounds reasonable. Uh-uh. Revelation giving says, Lord, this year we want to lay a sacrifice on your altar that will be pleasing and honoring to you. Would you press it upon our hearts what you would like that to be? And I just challenge you to pray that with an open heart right now. You begin praying with an open heart and God will lay it on your heart what your gift should be on December the 5th. And then you just make a commitment to give it no matter what. And trust God to provide. And he will. That's what you call revelation giving. And somebody out there that you may never meet until you go to glory is saying this right now. Thank you for giving so that I can be. Would you bow with me in prayer right now? And let's just pray this together. Let's just ask the Lord right now together to, uh, to help us this year to remember that it's really his desire to bless. It's not really just the amount of money. And it's not a small amount of money. But we have a good example in that God, our Heavenly Father Himself, gave because He loved the world so much. He gave, and it was a huge sacrifice. His only begotten Son, so that anyone, whoever, wherever, who believes in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. He provided us a Savior. And as we pray together and we begin to think about this year's mission offering, Would you ask God to show you what he would have you to give? And would you wait for the answer and then make a commitment to do it no matter what? And while you're at it, do this.
the one who gave his life for you. Lay your life down for him. He died for you. Would you at least live for him? Would you die to selfishness and sin and laziness and lust and the flesh and to this world and offer a place for Jesus in your heart to take his seat on the throne? You know, some people hear a message like this and ignore it. And some avoid it. But others listen with tearful recognition that the Holy Spirit is here and he's moving and he's touching and he's going to use this day in December to teach us about faith and to teach us how God provides and to teach us that this altar is sacred and important. If any of you want to come to the altar this morning and pray, that's what it's here for. Would you come today and give your heart to Christ? Lord, let this be the time when we make decisions for Christ that determine how we're going to live. And this is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 